And welcome to the socialworldpodcast.com. Your host is Dave Niven. Today's show is sponsored by David Niven Associates. Hello and welcome to the Social World Podcast. Nice to be with you again. Now this is a, a weekly program that you can get on uh, socialworldpodcast.com. You can get it down from iTunes, Stitcher, Podfeed. Um, you can... Tweet us at, at Dave Niven. And today, the whole podcast is going to focus a, a bit on the media itself, but also what's going on this week in social work and the implications uh, for the future. I mean, it's suddenly grabbed the headlines, child sexual abuse again. We've been looking at the setting up of an inquiry. We've been looking at Elizabeth Butler Sloss being... Uh, appointed and then withdrawing and we still don't know who yet is going to head up that inquiry. We've had the head of the Association of Director of Children's Services saying that uh, a lot of social workers turned out uh, newly qualified are crap um, and the firestorm that that has caused within the profession. Um, we've had the 650 people arrested which is just unbelievable in Operation Notarize um, coordinated by the National Crime Agency. I mean, and it involved all 45 UK police forces. And 400-odd children were actually um, taken into some form of, of safe custody. And 127 of them, uh, we are told, were considered to be at risk of serious harm. Only 39 of the 660 men arrested were actually on the child protect uh, sorry on the sex offenders register which means that the vast vast majority were completely and utterly unknown to the police beforehand for this particular type of offence it's just staggering the numbers again here we go i mean in in the wake of jimmy savile and in the wake of all the publicity this is what's generating it. Now we're going to get, I, I, I've said it, I have said it, I've got to say for some considerable time now that this problem has certainly not peaked. We are going to experience more and more and more people coming out the woodwork uh, to, to tell us their terrible stories. So we're also going to hear um, much more police activity with uh, tips tip-offs coming to them. I mean, at the end of the day, this is just going to be a staggering thing. And, and, I think we've got to recognise that there's so much need to get on with this national inquiry and create systemic structures that, you know, there should be no expense spared. The costs to the children and families are enormous. And just think of this. Look at all that police activity that's just taken place where there's 600 odd people um, are arrested or, or alleged to have been involved in, in child sexual abuse. And that's just this time. But think of the knock-on effects and costs to, not just human costs, which are the biggest, but costs, financial costs to social services, picking up the pieces in these families, 
health service, picking up the pieces in these families, education, because all these children still go to school and are have going to have to be actually, uh, um, there's going to be problems there about their learning, about their whole education, about their whole childhood. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that the on the extra costs here, hidden, but are going to be enormous in terms of pressure, work, people needed, professional help, therapy, family rescue, call it what you like, mental health in children's cases. It's just going to be enormous. And though the sooner we actually expect, accept that this has now got to be part of the, the, the nation's healing expense, the better. Now, rant over, but honestly, it just fires me up so much. I'll tell you one other thing, actually, and that's that um, we've had so many newly qualified social workers uh, either tweeting or expressing kind of support about the podcast that I'm trying very hard to get uh, a local authority or somebody who employs newly qualified social workers to allow one to come on the program and talk with me about their experiences, because I think we need to hear newly qualified social workers, we need to hear frontline social workers, we need to hear not just the great and the good, not just the senior managers, this has got to be a programme, and I'm determined about this, this has got to be a programme that actually reflects the feelings of all strata within social work, those on the operational frontline, crucially as well. And given this week's comments about newly qualified social workers on the education system that produces them, I'd really like to hear what some of them actually feel about it. So please give me your feedback. There's something called uh, SpeakPipe that's beside every particular podcast, every uh, blog that I do on the website, Social World Podcast. Give me some feedback, newly qualified. So let's hear your voice. Now today, I am delighted to be able to introduce uh, somebody that's going to help me uh, produce a, a program and training for social workers speaking to the media. And that's Dr. Kieran File. Now, Kieran's a media linguist and he's a communication consultant. He did his PhD in the language of media interviews and he looked at the ways where interviewers and interviewees behaved to achieve what he calls public performance goals. In other words, to actually get the message across. Now, at the moment, he works with high-profile professional athletes, helping them being interviewed in the media. And he now is going to work with social workers at managerial level and on the front line to help them develop strategies for dealing with the demands of interviewing. But also, from my point of view, it's brilliant because if he can help social workers gain the confidence and experience to actually speak in the media, my passion, if you like, my goal about getting far more voices in the media of social work and hearing all the good news stories, hearing the successes that social workers achieve, will be vastly improved. And so I think that Kieran is going to be a welcome addition to our team. So I advise you to listen to Kieran's interview. It's really interesting. His views on not only just social work, which is a new profession to him, which is there, there's fresh, it's a fresh view, but from his point of view about communication and linguistics. It's fascinating. So, here's the interview with Dr. Kieran File. Okay, Dr. Kieran File with me today. Um, Kieran's going to join us in the media training, and that's a fantastic uh, compliment 
to the uh, training that we offer because Kieran's academic background is in linguistics and he is, although new to social work, he's certainly not new to an analysis and looking at the impact of words and the impact of um, language in the media and that in social work is what we really need to have a good dig at. Welcome, Kieran. Thanks, David. Good now, to be here. Yeah. You've had a look, I know, a bit of a look at the world of social work up to now. Um, what's your first impressions about the image of social work in the media that you've come across? I think that was one of the first things that I really noticed was uh, that the primary coverage of social work seemed to be quite negative, almost uh, similarly to the, to the coverage of politicians. Uh, and so you could see that for the people who are working in social work to, to be reading these things, it would be quite a difficult, uh, a difficult thing to, uh, to read, when you, especially when you're trying your hardest to make a difference in the world. Well, I think it's quite obvious that the, the coverage of social work is predominantly negative. Uh, I think there are some people out there fighting the good fight uh, in editorial columns, um, but typically when social work is in the media, it is when something has uh, gone wrong. Uh, so there is an adversarial negative coverage trend in social work, uh, and I think that needs to change. Okay, Kieran, that's that's fine. I'd like to drill down a little bit further into what you were saying. Now, let's look at the written media to start with and the way that social work's actually presented. Could you just say a little bit, given also maybe the context of the history that you have in this field and what you've did before and what you can therefore bring to analysis of social work in the media? For my, um, for my PhD research, uh, I looked at the language use of sports players and interviewers in uh, televised sports post-match interviews in particular uh, and so my main goals there were to uh, analyze what players were doing, analyze what interviewers were doing uh, and then try and create learning materials to help athletes and interviewers conduct uh, more engaging post-match interviews. The key principle behind the work I do is that it's research informed so I need authentic data uh, I need authentic interviews and I analyse these interviews to see what people are doing in them. So if I am to bring these skills to social work, uh, I would then need data, actual interviews, actual print media uh, data, where I can then use that to analyse the trends, uh, the way language is being used uh, and the role language plays uh, from both the media side of things but also from the social work side of things. And I've initially looked at print media stuff very uh, very initial uh, at the beginning um, at the moment but there were some interesting trends already that started to develop from from initial analysis mm -hmm. would you pick out one or two maybe I was really interested in the way uh, that print media in particular uh, I collected for this particular analysis I collected 30 stories from BBC ITV uh, and The Guardian mm -hmm. um, which all featured the phrase social worker in them and I just wanted to see how social workers were being reported in these stories and mm. what sorts of things they were being associated with and I was really interested to see that the way the language choices that print media were using seemed to construct social workers as quite emotional beings acting off whims uh, and that was really quite interesting because a lot of the experience that I've had since being involved in this field 
uh, has been that there are very professional uh, systems in place uh, and that there are very measured cases, uh, very measured systems that social workers uh, abide by and yet these the systems are not really being referred to in the print. Instead, social workers are constructed as wanting things or desiring things or uh, doing things that break families up um, and not having any kind of reasoning behind this. Mm -hmm. uh, yet, as probably you know, and I certainly know now as well, that that's not necessarily the case. Okay. So... Having kind of the at first look, let's be honest here, so it's first look, seemed that there's rather a, a, a kind of a negative and almost vague kind of um, um, description of social workers in the media. What would you say the work that we can do now could be that would help the situation improve? I mean, obviously, teaching social workers how to mm -hmm. speak in the media, but... Um, would you say that it would be worthwhile actually also um, making our research available to journalists? I think exactly. Uh, that's exactly the one. This is an interaction. Whenever the media is involved, it is an interaction between two institutions as such. Uh, and then social work, we've got the journalistic uh, institution that meets the social work institution. And if you are looking for improvement, uh, then it's it's you need improvement from both sides. So absolutely, journalists should be involved. They should be. Um, uh, when I was doing this initial analysis, the thing that really stuck in my mind was that if these systems that social workers are going through are not being reported, then really that's that's a fault in the journalistic accuracy of the story. So, uh, and we all know how important the value of accuracy is to journalists. If uh, the research can help highlight areas where they could potentially be more accurate whilst not hiding things, because that's of course what journalists do not do either, but where they can be more accurate and fair in the coverage of social workers. And that's certainly something that I think uh, research around their linguistic choices when writing up, uh, that's mm -hmm. one area where we could really target. Okay, so we've got the journalists, and of course the journalists are in different groups. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got sub-editors who would do the headlines and so forth, which are very influential in terms of people's immediate sort of um, um, uh, opinion forming and, and, you know, what, what they actually take from news stories. Mm. But in the, in, the, in the broadcast media, on radio you have your people who write scripts for the presenters or, you know, to, to actually refer to, and that can be particularly um, destabling, destabilizing, I find sometimes, in terms of how the presenters, because they're literally just reading off scripts sometimes. Mm. And on television, of course, you've got your whoever, the writers or producers, whatever, who also give um, television news, especially mm. presenters, um, some kind of um, piece of written material that they have to um, read off of the moving screen in front <laughs> of them. Yes. And um, often one word can just completely throw the whole image thing of social workers. Well, I've actually got... Um, well, first of all, I think what that highlights is how important language actually is mm. Uh, mm. to look at when yep. we're thinking yep. about perception, we're thinking about accuracy, we're thinking about all these values uh, and all these meanings that we get from media. It shows the value of language where a single word can uh, disrupt uh, someone's, uh, someone's attitude or someone's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. performance. I've got an interesting story from my own experience with regards to that as well. I was interviewed in New Zealand immediately after my 
uh, PhD was submitted and, and uh, accepted, uh, and I was interviewed on a breakfast show, and the uh, I was waiting on the phone for the for the interviewer, and I. Uh, I was sort of introduced and I was listening to the introduction. The introduction went something along the lines of post-match interviews, the players are so boring and dull, they never say anything original. So, Kieran, is that why you did this research? And so instantly that's positioned me as someone uh, that thinks sports players are dumb and dull and boring. Uh, and that's, of course, not what the research showed in any way, shape or form, and it's also not what I believe. And if I actually also, if I harbour working with sports players, it doesn't really make any sense for me to uh, to join in with this. Um, so it does highlight um, the importance of, mm. of language from editors, copy editors, journalists, uh, and all the way down to social workers as well, and what they are actually providing for no, journalists. No, absolutely. And... Um I think, too, you would probably agree, and maybe in that particular case now, in retrospect, you might have agreed, too, is to try and have a conversation, if possible, with the journalist to determine what their question might be. I mean, they won't, I mean, you know, as long as they're not interviewing you in a mm. kind of adversarial way to, to, to try to pin blame, which some people might, but if they're inform, inf, looking for information, mm. I mean, in my particular case, when I was elected to be the, the chair of the British Association of Social Workers, I gave the first interview to a, a newspaper reporter and um, he came along and he, 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 to meet me in my hotel room and asked all sorts of questions about what I was going to do during my term of office and I told him about training, I told him about promotion of social work, I told him about trying to get more members for our association, all, all the different things that you think you would normally do. And it was about half an hour and, just, and I thought I did very well and just as he was leaving he turned to me and he said, David, by the way, I believe that during the, the that you've said that you're going to take child protection as a theme of your term of office. Is that correct? And I said, yes, it is actually. And he said, much to do? And I said, uh, oh yes, fine, he said, thanks very much indeed. Off he went. The next day, page three of the newspaper had the headline, New Social Work Chief Targets Pervert. <laughs> and so, if I had 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 the nous that I do now to be able to say, look, how are you going to actually frame this interview, please? Mm. You know, how are you going to introduce it? Because, I mean, to my mind, although that wasn't accusing me of anything, mm. it certainly skewed what I thought was the content in mm. such a way that um, it, it might have made people of a more salacious kind of uh, point of view look at it and then think well what's all this about training what's this about whatever yeah, you know yeah and it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of lessons I think in that mm. in that regards too I think one of the key ones is is really being aware uh, of of the fact that anything you say to a journalist might be uh, reported uh, even if it is an offhanded comment as they're walking out of the door as yeah. in was this yeah. experience here yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that awareness can be really improved uh, with a particular group through the research informed approach in many ways if you have someone who is able to pay close attention to the behavior of journalists in a particular area the way they report the questions they ask the directions they go in then that's really valuable uh, to understand from the interviewee's perspective because then you can prepare yourself for a lot of eventualities. No, for sure um, it's just a question of experience and confidence and I think let's maybe let's just add now a bit about what we might be offering 
um, social workers and others in our training, you know, the one or two of the things that we might be offering and, and why we think it's important. I mean, I think we've virtually agreed, correct me if I'm wrong, Kieran, but okay. I mean, I think we've virtually agreed that what we want to offer social workers, if you like, the frontline social workers, the basic grade social workers, um, is how to give interviews about good news, how to talk about positive uh, things, how to talk about success stories. I mean, I'm very, very clear, and I believe you are too, that, that if there's anything to do with reputation management, if there's anything to do with a crisis, then there are people at a much higher pay grade who, who have got to deal with that. Mm. And, you know, the, the senior managers, and that's definite. The social workers should not be um, placed in a position to actually make an apology or to, to go into reasons for why an entire institution did something. Mm. So I, I think we should be looking to train social workers in giving good news. And I think it's not rocket science that effectively that will probably reassure some of them mm. in that we're training, we're not training them to be defensive. Um, and so that would be the definite first thing. And there are thousands of good news stories yeah. out there. And and I think by doing that you can you can contribute to uh, rebalancing the picture mm -hmm. uh, of social work in, in the media. Uh, and like you say, there are good works, uh, good work stories, and, and and very positive stories out there. We need to think about and and with regards to the training, we need to help develop awareness of uh, who to talk to, who to approach. Um, who might be interested in particular stories, but also developing strategies to help social workers clearly uh, demarcate and illustrate for the journalists where their boundaries are uh, and how to uh, resist certain lines of questioning from journalists who may be looking to pin a particular social worker with regard to some scandal that has, that has yeah. occurred. So if we can help uh, arm them not only with a way of presenting a positive story that is interesting and engaging for the audience, but also a way to help them resist and really solidify what their position is and who they're speaking on behalf of. And, and that is really where I see one of the big goals for our training. Yeah, I, and maybe just get them to, to understand that, as I said, this is non-adversarial, this is inclusive, this is good news, this is all about themselves and their stories. And, um, you know, if they're talking about somebody who's now reached adulthood, but who is quite happy and giving permission to talk about what their life was like and what a difference a social worker's involvement made, I don't see any reason on earth why that can't be shared with a wider public. Mm. Tell you one thing, though, Kieran. Um, you're aware that, that, that our podcast goes to a, a lot of other countries. I would rather, I'd like to make a call out to anybody who's listening in other countries to let us know what your way of dealing with the media is in social work in your country. And, you know, okay, so it might be the Western industrialized countries, it might be, it might be Africa, it might, it might well be, you know, Asia, uh, wherever, but um, because we've all got social workers, we've all got different aspects of how we operate our profession in public, but we've also all got news media that are always, always, always looking for stories. So um, I hope you'd agree that would be a good yes. to have a call out and get some feedback from other countries. As far as I'm concerned, that would be very much part of the research base that we would be developing this training and these training modules from mm. would be 
uh, are not only hard news data from stories and interviews, actual interviews, authentic interviews, authentic newspapers, but also the insights of those people uh, who engage yeah. with the media uh, on an on a infrequent basis, but also on a frequent basis. It's really important to get this inside information so that the picture that we're developing of social workers is not just from our data, it's not just our own look at this data, it's also from those who are living this profession. Let me switch this just a little bit, okay, sure. and talk about, um, I, I hope listeners are, might be aware, if you're not, that um, we're doing a survey at the moment of um, people, social workers and others involved with social work um, about the image of social work in the media, and you can catch it on our website, which is uh, the socialworldpodcast.com, and uh, just click on the social work survey at the top, and uh, or the social media survey, I can't remember what it's called, and uh, please fill it in, pass it to your friends, give us the best feedback that you can. But Kieran, you, from an academic perspective, have actually got a, a clear plan now about how you might be looking to start analysing this data. Yeah, um, I, I certainly have. I mean, we've both, uh, the survey set up to, to provide us both with quantitative data, uh, which is nice and, and neat and easy to uh, to analyse, but we've also got some really, really rich qualitative data where people have provided comments with regards to the questions uh, around the presentation of social work in the media, who should be presenting, um, what sorts of stories we should be uh, offering. So all this qualitative data, it, it's, it's really rich because it's come from social workers themselves. And so the plan is to now take this data and really ask it questions and really mine it for trends uh, so we can get a, a general picture but also it's really nice to look at outliers too and outlining experiences uh, experience that go against the trends we can really look at that and then analyze the context if someone's had a really really positive um, perception of media social work in the media and that would be going against the trends that we're seeing in the survey yeah. at the moment yeah. um, then what were the circumstances surrounding that positive impression? Has the, have they perhaps had a, a manager that has um, allowed them to speak uh, about positive, positively in the media? Have they had a uh, positive experience from a journalist? Then if we can start mining the, the qualitative data and really looking for trends with regards to why someone has maybe had a positive experience, then that mm. can be really rich with regards to uh, helping develop a picture about social work in the media. Okay, so let's Please help us out, look out for that survey, fill it in if you can, that would be really helpful. Already we've got hundreds of responses, but we want more. The, the more, the, the merrier, but also the more, the more substantive our position can be when we report back the findings. Okay, getting sort of into one of the one, last one or two final areas to talk about. The individual themselves, this mythical person, this social worker, this frontline person that we want to um, help train to be uh, a spokesperson, if you like, or, or just to essentially be able to reflect positively about social work in the media and, and balance the books a little bit. What kind of confidence measures do you think we can begin to um, input to sort of help them if you like, demystify this, because an awful lot of people have got this idea that it's terribly stressful talking to the media, it's terribly stressful being interviewed on the radio 
or whatever. Um, uh, obviously, we would disagree, mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's easier said that rather than actually demonstrating it. So I'm just wondering what some some of the confidence building techniques that we might be using. I think you're right. First of all, about about people's perceptions. I mean, people tend to focus more on the risks than the rewards. Mm -hmm. Speaking mm -hmm. to the media, and there are considerable number of rewards for anyone who gets a chance, an opportunity to re represent themselves and their profession uh, in the media. I think in terms of confidence, what the training is aimed at doing, if you like, is, is building confidence. And so we would be, what we would be doing is giving them an awareness of what they're likely to encounter uh, through uh, example interviews, through particular choices you might need to make analyzing contexts if you're say in in the midst of a of a pretty difficult situation how do you use language to uh, redirect mm -hmm. the interview mm -hmm. um, and we'll be giving them both awareness and strategies and that's the key thing that is developed out of the sports training that I did it's about building awareness because with awareness you're more empowered and you have more of an understanding and you can become more comfortable and more comfortable means more confident and so really this is, and it's important too when you're establishing uh, material to build awareness that this material is authentic and it comes from a research base. It's all very well to have someone talk about um, their experience, but they are just one person who has lived yeah. their life. If we have a research base that we can draw from a number of different perspectives and that strengthens uh, the message the knowledge that we're trying to build awareness around and also provides a greater base of strategies uh, for presenting self and handling uh, media and also uh, taking advantage, getting rewards yeah. from it. One final thought then, Kieran. Mm. okay, for the listeners um, who might well be interested but not quite sure about to take that step yet. A mm. um, bit of reassurance from you? Because it's not exactly um, terrifying, is it? Especially in the training where we'll be giving people lots of run-throughs, lots of practice, you know, opportunities to feedback, listen back, you know, be guided about what they can and they can't say. But at the same time, how they actually speak. Yeah. Well, I would first of all, I would say absolutely it's perfectly normal to feel uh, a slight bit of trepidation when it comes to actually engaging in a media training mm. uh, module or even speaking to the media, I think that's perfectly normal. But absolutely, the, the process that we are developing here is designed specifically, it's bespoke for social workers. It's going to give them opportunities to consider how their context and how their interactions uh, are going to fit in their context, who they need to talk to, uh, how they can reflect on their um, performances. Uh, it's going to be very, and of course with your expertise in the social work field as well, to be able to draw on, to be able to problematise some of their meanings and messages that they're making. Uh, really, the combination, I think, is going to be very valuable for social workers uh, and helping them develop strategies. Very exciting, and I'm really looking forward to it. Anyway, look, Kieran, thank you very much for joining us today. No, no, We'll be seeing you because we're going to be doing an awful lot of work on this. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, it was Kieran File.
Right, there we are. Well, that's another podcast for another week. My thanks, as always, to uh, Alba Digital Media, who without this week wouldn't have been possible. Their technical skills are terrific. So I advise you to look them up and use them if you have to. Now, next week, as I said, I'm going to try and get a, a, a first-line first social worker onto the program. But the way that our world is moving at the moment, I can't imagine that there won't be an absolute plethora of subjects to look at next week. And also, from Wednesday next week, I'm going to be at the... Um, Joint Social Work Education Conference at Royal Holloway, London University, and uh, interviewing all the people there and hopefully picking up lots of nuggets, interesting stories, good, solid interviews, and possibly some provocation, which I'd quite like. So thanks for listening. See you next week.